This episode of the Filmmaker Mixer podcast is sponsored by Reed's Cleaners in Austin, Texas. We launder everything but money. This episode is also sponsored by Piers Henry Headshots, shining the spotlight on you. Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, a show by filmmakers for filmmakers. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined with my co-host, Jeff. Today, we have a very notable guest on the show, actor Barry Corbin. He's been a part of some very popular projects, both on stage and on screen. And later in the episode, we go over some of his credits. Yeah, Barry talks about his days doing theater in Chicago and New York and actors he knew like Gregory Peck and Ernest Bornine. And 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 he talks about how he transitioned from theater into writing radio in Los Angeles and then moving into film and television. It's going to be a fun show. So tonight we are blessed to have a really special guest on the show. Uh, if you look at this gentleman's IMDb page, it goes on forever. There are so many credits and so many uh, classic titles, Urban Cowboy and War Games and Lonesome Dove and Northern Exposure, No Country for Old Men, Yellowstone. It just goes on and on. And of course, we're talking about the iconic Barry Corbin. Thanks so much for being on our show, Barry. Well, thank you for having me. It's glad you're So I don't know if everything is accurate that you read on Wikipedia and so forth, but I saw on one of your bios, it said that your mother gave you the middle name Barry, inspired by author J.M. Barry. I guess, A, if that that true, and B, if it is, was your family art-oriented or literature-oriented, you know, originally, and did that inspire you as a child to be creative and be involved in, in acting at all? Well, there weren't many books in the house, uh... My dad was a lawyer, so he kept all the law books in his office. And uh, we'd have, uh, you know, we had children's books and that kind of thing. We had, uh, I think we had at one time uh, uh, a um, an encyclopedia set. And uh, I remember reading the Bible when I was a kid and uh, liking the language. Uh, not understanding a lot of it. And did you, did you, were you interested in, in theater or acting or writing or anything like that as a kid in the creative arts? Uh, well, I, yeah, I was always put together for the plays for, with my brother and sister, you know, with that. Uh, I'd make them get out there. They were both shy and didn't want to, but I'd make them get out there and we'd, uh, we'd charge a penny or a nickel or whatever anybody wanted to pay to come see our show. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then, uh, of course, I'd go to these uh, Western movies on on Saturdays and uh, then have the Western movie and then the serial and then another Western movie and the short subject and the cartoon, you know, and just afternoon deal. And uh, so I always, I always wanted to do a Western when I was a kid, and then I got sidetracked into the classics and uh, and uh, ended up going to New York for, I was in New York till I was nearly 40, and then I decided I better make some money and went to California. No kidding. So is, is uh, when you were, what, what took you to New York? Oh, theater. Theater. I, I went back, I went there and uh, got, uh, well, I was working in the Midwest and in, uh, in various theaters, and I got in in uh, to the uh, Barter Theater, which is the State Theater of Virginia, 
and one of the oldest theaters in the country. It was started during the Depression by a man named Robert Porterfield and was from there. And uh, it uh, and started out uh, with a bunch of hungry actors in the 30s. Uh, I don't, Gregory Peck got his equity card there. Uh, Ernie Morgan got his equity card there. Patricia Neal got hers there. I mean, it was a you know prestigious deal. But people didn't pay money. They paid food or, or uh, produce or, of some kind, and they'd uh, go to the theater. Didn't have any money, but had plenty of food down there. So how did, how did that work? So they... They just came to the theater with what they could barter with? Is that what you mean? Well, they'd come in with a, with a dozen eggs or ham or side uh, of bacon, whatever, you know, and uh, and trade it in for a ticket or two to go go see the play. Holy darn. And uh, Robert, Robert Porterfield was really good at marketing. He had an actor named Robert Foley who was uh, a kind of, Played uh, Noel Coward, that kind of thing. He was he was uh, from Boston, but he spoke with a kind of an English accent. He was doing Blind Spirit, and uh, at the theater, and uh, Adam Marquette said uh, Blind Spirit, starring R. Foley, and uh, people would come in. They'd trade their their uh, uh, bacon or ham or whatever it was, side of beef for the ticket. And then they, they're, they're wondering, well, where is Red? They're for Red Foley, you know, he had to be with a big country singer. <laughs> so they thought there's going to be Red Foley and Robert Foley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Jeff said, you have a plethora of screen credits. A lot of people would know you uh, mostly from that part of your career, but like you're talking about what you're referencing when you're in New York is your early Shakespearean stage actor days, I'm guessing. And any fond memories from that? Yeah. And I, I was talking to Greg Respect one time and he said, we both got our equity card, same play. And uh, he, he knew I got my equity card there. I knew he got his there, but it was it was several years difference, of course. And uh, Ernie Morgan and I didn't know it, so we got to be friends. And then I told him that we, we got our equity card in the same place. So was there a moment in your career, like you're saying, where you're kind of growing up doing plays or theater and you went to New York to do it, that you just turned to more film, television, uh, I, I, of work? And, uh, uh, I did. I went to, to the Colorado Shakespeare Festival after I got out of the Marine Corps. Uh, I, I was back in college at Texas Tech and uh, applied to the Colorado Shakespeare Festival, went there one summer, and uh, that was uh, the first time I was actually paid for a season in the theater. You know, I got, uh, I got a little bit of money and uh, free room and board, and I didn't particularly like the room and board because it was in the... Uh, dormitory and I had the roommate which I didn't uh, care for so I hired out to a ranch um, outside of town to mend their fences in the morning and so I was I was mending fences in the morning then going to rehearsal in the afternoon and then playing the shows at night till we got on the, the whole season up and then I'd I'd still work in the morning at the ranch 
And they gave me a little line shack to stay in, a little house. Me and another guy. So uh, that was uh, that was the way I did that. Then uh, I went back to, to Lubbock and got married, and we decided with, uh, we wanted to try our hand at the professional deal. So we took off and, and went to uh, Chicago first. And we were there for nearly a year trying to save up enough money to get to New York, doing love theater jobs and uh, and also just regularly. I worked as an assistant manager at Roosevelt University Bookstore, and uh, she worked at various secretarial jobs. So we did, we kind of got by, and then we went down to North Carolina and did outdoor dramas that worked uh, at the University of North Carolina, and then we went to the Barger Theater where I got my equity card. She went back to Texas, and I went to New York, and uh, for, I got a job with the American Shakespeare Festival up there, and then sent for my wife, and she came up, and uh, she worked a little bit in the shows, but not much. She she couldn't stand the uh, atmosphere up there, you know, the the smog and stuff, she was asthmatic, and so she had to move. She moved to uh, to uh, Las Vegas and uh, became a, a counselor, uh, working for, she worked for mainly with, with veterans for the government. So uh, she finished her education and did that, and uh, we got divorced. And uh, But anyway, I, I did theater for, for several years, going doing uh, Broadway, Off Broadway, uh, Dinner Theater, Relort Theater, everything you think of. So I'm I'm curious when you were when you were in Chicago and then in New York, um, how did you find you know the gigs? How, what was I'm I, I'm I'm curious what that picture looks like. What's a day in the life well, of they, lifestyle? They they've got trade papers come out. Uh, they got uh, backstage is one in New York. And uh, they've got casting notices in there. That comes out on Thursday. And uh, they've got auditions listed. And you can also go up to the equity office. And they have uh, uh, some uh, different uh, theaters from out of town. People are coming in to cast. And they've got the notice, casting notices up there. So you can go to those uh, open calls. But... Uh, Ideal thing is to get yourself an agent who uh, does all that for you. Did you used to run into a lot of the same, you know, the same actors? You'd see a lot of the same people at the auditions and, oh, and build oh, some yeah. good relationships? Oh, yeah. 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 When uh, you became uh, uh, friends with some of them, and some, some you were just, uh, you know, some of them don't want to be friends. They want to be a competitor. So, Doc. <laughs> I'd rather be friends with people than a competitor, but uh, some of them like to do that, you know. And was there a moment in your career when you were in theater where you just realized you wanted to transition to screen, whether it be film or television? Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, uh, started I went back to when I got to be up around uh, close to thirty. I started thinking, well, you know, I'm a I'm a grown person. I ought to find something else to do. But I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. I was I'd do jobs like load the laundry trucks or 
or do manual labor, or sometimes I do filing, you know, in the office. I didn't like doing any of that stuff, but I'd, I'd do it, you know, just to get by if I was having a slow time. But I was lucky because I didn't have too many slow times. I was I stayed busy, but uh, the pay rate, uh, pay rate being what it was, then you don't you can't make a living at the theater unless you're on Broadway. If you're uh, off Broadway, you make uh, uh, at that time about eighty dollars a week and uh, and car fare. You know, when you transition to to film and TV. What was the role that you finally said, hey, I don't have to do these other jobs. I can just do this now. Well, I, it was a little more complicated because I got out to California and I started writing plays for the radio. Little 15-minute plays. At that time, that uh, public radio, public broadcasting had had uh, popcorn theater, they called it. 15-minute plays. They'd do four 15-minute plays a month and uh, put them together and as an hour show and called it Popcorn Theater. And so I started writing those plays, and I'd try to write for it so I'd have a uh, part for me and a part for my wife in the play. And that way I could take care of the, the rent and, uh, and part of our food for the month. And so I did a bunch of that, and I'd do uh, extra work and do, uh, do, co- do commercials. I got a commercial agent, did a little bit of that. The first one, first studio movie I did was Urban Cowboy. And uh, everybody thought they'd come down, gone down to uh, Houston, looked around those petrochemical plants, and found an old guy like me. And uh, actually, they uh, found me. At the, in Hollywood, <laughs> but I'd written the play. I was casting the play that I'd written, and not too far from Paramount. So I just walked over to Paramount for the audition for Herbie Cowboy, and uh, met the casting director and uh, and uh, uh, Aaron Latham who wrote the script. And uh, oh, I, his name slips me now. Uh, the the director uh, uh, Jim Bridges. I met them and uh, and talked to them, read a little bit. Then I went back. I thought it was just like a one-day part or something. I didn't know. Did they have any idea it was going to be as big of a hit as it was? Because was, I remember that was, a, that was a big deal when that movie came out. Well, I remember uh, I, not originally. I, I thought, well, uh, you know, I knew when uh, John Travolta was going to Play the lead. They were trying. They were going to uh, cast the two leads with unknowns, with the people who actually were the people that were uh, in the in the story. You know, the guy playing uh, uh, Bud was uh, I forget his real name, but he was he was a little scrappy guy that hung around Gillies and his girlfriend, later his wife, and uh, they were going to have them play there themselves. But uh, they realized pretty early on that you can't that it's it hard for a guy, you know, people like that to carry a movie. But they were going to have them, they were going to cast all the other parts as, as name parts. But then they got John. Yeah, he was just coming off Saturday Night Fever. So he was real hot. So they cast the unknowns as as his uncle Nat and the, the people around Gillies, you know. So that's what they did. They just had him carry the picture. 
I had an idea that it's going to be pretty successful because uh, uh, Irving Azoff did such a good job with the mu- uh, music in the thing. It was uh, some great music in there. That's maybe the, one of the best uh, country music soundtracks there ever was. Yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of hits on the radio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking of like iconic uh, projects or well-known projects you've been in, Something uh, I've known, I've seen you in recently that was uh, Better Call Saul, the Breaking Bad spinoff. And oh, your, yeah. appearance, your appearance in season five was definitely one of my more favorite guest appearances on that show as you play the no-nonsense homeowner wanted to keep his land. As <laughs> someone who was such a fan going up at Breaking Bad and Vince Gilligan's work, how was the experience with the cast and crew? Oh, wonderful. I, I really enjoy it. I did, I think I did four episodes of that. That was, uh, that was just delightful the whole time. I got along real well with, uh, with, uh, with all, with everybody, you know, we had a great time. And is a role like that something that they kind of have you in mind for? Or did you audition for it or did they approach you for it? No, they just called me and, and offered it to me, called me on the phone. That's the advantage of living in Texas. Yeah, I live here in, in Fort Worth, and they, they don't want to fly me to California to audition, so I don't have to do all that stuff. Somebody asked me if I lose any work by living in Texas. I said, yeah, probably, but it's probably the work I would want to do anyway. So, you know, you've done so many iconic movies and so many iconic characters. Um you know, when people meet you, are you surprised the characters they, I mean, is it, do people bring up the same movies or the same characters or they, do they surprise oh, you? Oh, no. Bring something else? No, they're, they're all over the map. I mean, there's some, you know, usually I can tell if it's a, if it's a woman between, uh, say 30 and, uh, and 15, it means they watched a bunch of, uh, One Tree Hill. And, uh, for, Urban for uh, urban cowboy, it goes all the way. It usually it's uh, it's rural people, but it goes all the the age goes all the way through. Uh, Lonesome dove, it could be anybody. Remember, uh, see war games. Usually it's people that play video games. Stuff. Anything for your uh, Emmy nominated uh, starring role in Northern Exposure? Oh yeah, there's a big uh, big following for that. They have a big. Uh, big website for that i'm talking to people all the time on that website do uh i interact with them you know we uh what do you call that text messaging yeah that was a great show that that was one of my favorite tv shows i i we'd watch that religiously it was such a good show it was very good until they decided that they were going to cancel it then they brought in a producer that didn't like it and they ate he admitted he didn't like it. He said, uh, after it was canceled, he said, well, I never liked the show. It was too precious. <laughs> so no, that's his opinion, but uh, I, I never particularly liked him either. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with all the different characters you've played um, and the different, you know, genres of films, is there a genre of film or a character that, that, uh, or a type of character that you haven't played that you'd really like to do? No, I played pretty much the whole. Uh, I, I played uh, people who uh, who were prophets and uh, preachers, and uh, I played uh, 
singers and killers and crazy people. I played uh, a lot of sheriffs, uh, not so many military people, but people think I did a lot of military people. I only did, uh, that I think of, three, four military parks, but people think I did a whole bunch of them. And uh, I like westerns. I enjoy doing those because you're usually able to learn a skill, you know, when you're doing one. I had to learn to drive a, uh, a six-horse hitch, you know, on the on the Conager. That was uh, that was kind of a challenge. And you're a horseman uh, naturally. I mean, don't you do horse cutting? Oh yeah, I used to. I don't do much anymore. Sure, sure. Yeah, my cousin uh, Doyle does that, and he loves it. He loves to show his horse. He's always uh, talking about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't have any horses anymore, but I'm, I'm too old to start it. Start one, another one, buy one that's already been run by somebody else. So sure. I just, uh, I ride other people's horses sometimes just for fun, but I don't, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm too old to get on the horse. I'm 82 years old, that's uh it's a chore. <laughs> <laughs> and how does that work on, on a show like, oh, Yellowstone or, you know, or, or Lonesome Dove um, with between the actors who know how to handle a horse? And I'm sure there are actors that don't or need to be brushed up. I mean. Um, well, there's, there's a lot of them don't know the first thing about it, but everybody says they can try. You know, I, uh, I, I'll tell you, um, um, one time, Ben Johnson and I were sitting up in the bleachers in Denver. Horse falling on me and broken my leg, and I was in a wheelchair. Ben came up, was sitting with me, and we were watching the, some of these actors and Hollywood people trying to team pen down there, practicing. Ben said, look at that. He said, nobody knows there's a cow within 50 miles. All they want to do is get out there and tip their hats to the crowd. <laughs> I, I said, well, yeah, they're pretty interested in that. He said, you know, there ain't anybody in Hollywood anymore except you and me that can ride a horse. I said, well, we don't live in Hollywood, Ben. He said, well, that tells you something, don't it? So that was, uh, that was Ben. <laughs> that was Ben's <laughs> feeling about it. He lived in Arizona. Yeah. With all your experience acting and just being in front of the camera, have you ever considered going behind the camera more, either directing or producing or even writing projects, uh, mostly for film and television? Well, I've written some stuff that's uh, not been done. A lot of a lot of times, I write pieces of things that I that you've seen, you know, but I'm not supposed to tell anybody what it is, you know. <laughs> is it just like little seeds within a bigger project? Yeah, yeah. Little, you know, just uh, it's little additions mainly to you know, something that that we're doing. You know, so how much leeway do they give you thing. on things like that? I mean, I guess it varies from project to project, but you know, when yeah, you're well, getting they a, gave me a lot of a lot of leeway in Urban Cowboy, a whole lot of leeway in uh, and uh, oh, any any Eastwood movies, uh, and uh, uh. They uh, they just turned me loose on uh, war games. John Batten just said, said make him as country as you want to. And I said, okay. So that's what we did. 
He said, you get, there's certain things you're going to have to say, like uh, Defcon and, and uh, get the president on the heart and those, those kind of things. But he said, the rest of it, just make it up. Just have a good time. And I did one with Blake Edwards one time, and I knew he wrote the script, so I had it all down perfect. It came in, and the Burt Reynolds, the whole my season with Burt Reynolds and Kim Basinger. And uh, Burt likes to just ad-lib and joke around. And uh, Blake said, okay, we're just, if y'all throw away those scripts, we're just going to have a good time. So a lot we of, just, a lot of uh, we... We just ad-libbed the whole thing. When you're ad-libbing, I mean, do you, is every scene totally different? Would you find a, something that you like and you kind of riff on that, uh, in, in, not every scene, every take? Or would you um, just go different every time? Oh, we pretty much would uh, would hold it uh, close to the same stuff so it'll cut together. You don't want to have sure. every take be completely different. Uh, you know, you want to hold it uh, in some, some way that they can cut different things in but uh yeah we we uh, in, in that one in uh, the man who loved women we just uh uh i mean i i started saying if wrong you went to court and went in the shower and he said do you know enough verses for that do, <laughs> for, for them to do a whole scene out there with the singing i said i know enough verses to do the whole movie <laughs> now so we i did that there wasn't supposed to be a bathroom in the show, but I took him, uh, we got the balls down a little bit, and I said, come on in here, I'm going to show you something. I opened the door, and we went going into what was supposed to be the bathroom, and we were talking back there, he could hear us talking, and he said, my God, is that a sign over the toilet? I said, yeah, but what I want to show you here, this toilet's got a drinking water, a drinking fountain. That <laughs> Look here, look at that. And we're just over there talking. They got the camera on Kim, and she's standing there looking bored, doing her nail, you know. And so they had to build a bathroom overnight. The next day we got in, and we filmed the scene in the bathroom. We started, you know. So they, they built the bathroom based on your ad lib? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and then I took a shower in there, too. <laughs> they made it a functional bathroom. Well, the toilet wasn't functional, but the shower was. So when you meet people who are breaking into the business or trying to break in or young actors, I'm sure they're always asking for, you know, your advice. Is there anything that you uh, suggest to young people trying to get into either acting or the film industry? Well, the main thing I tell them is if you can be happy doing anything, Anything else, do that, and do the <laughs> acting as a hobby. Because if, if if you're trying to do it professionally, number one, you're probably going to get typecast and never be able to vary in all what you're doing because they like what you do, and then they want you to repeat that all the time. Did you find yourself getting typecast a lot early in your career? Well, I found myself. Uh, for about a year, turning down anything with the first name of sheriff, that uh, I was getting to any of those. But uh, yeah, you've got to be careful about that. You can't just uh, just keep. And you know, there's some people made a whole career out of playing uh, doctors or lawyers, this or that or the other thing. You know, I didn't didn't want to do that. 
I want to have a variety of things. But, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you do a community theater, then you spend your time acting. If you're an actor, then you spend all of your time looking for work. Mm-hmm. And uh, you find the job, then the job's over with, and then you got to go looking for the next one. So it's, uh, you know, there's nobody safe in this business. Yeah, and kind of bringing your career full circle, you started your uh, career off in theater, and you're slowly kind of transitioning back a little bit into theater with your new tour one-man show called An Evening with Barry Corbin. Uh, what could people expect yes. when visiting that show? Well, just uh, on the first half of it is, is me getting out and, and talking about uh, my life, about growing up in West Texas and, and what that was like. Uh, what uh, people think of, uh, you know, the 1940s was about the time of the Civil War. They don't realize that people were alive from back then. So I talk about some of that. I told them, you know, I just talk about anything that comes to mind, really, for about an hour, and then we take a break. Everybody goes out and has a uh bathroom break or refreshment and they come back in and then then i take questions from the audience for as long as they want to ask and then after that i sit out in the lobby until everybody's got their picture taken or or got their program signed we sat to talk and have a nice uh conversation so it's a it's a full evening well, you're also going to be uh, doing a reading at the uh, Alpine Texas Poetry Festival uh, about Charles Goodnight. What's what's that, that about? That's right. Uh, Andy Wilkins, a friend of mine from Lubbock, Texas, was uh, his uh, grandmother was Charlie Goodnight's niece, and she remembered she remembered that uh, Colonel Goodnight, and uh, she was uh, she was suffering from uh, Alzheimer's when. Uh, she saw the play, and when I came out in the makeup, she turned to Andy and said, "That's Uncle Charlie." Oh wow! And so that was that was a compliment to me. But uh, no, I do. Uh, uh, I haven't done it in several years, and I probably, you know, I may do it again if enough people want to see it. But I have to rehearse it again and uh, learn all the lines and all that stuff. So it might be a little while. And do you find preparing for live performances like that compared to film and TV drastically different? Is your process similar? Uh, my process is pretty much the same. It's it's easier to do a play because you go go from uh, from the beginning to an end in a movie you might shoot the last scene first and the first scene last you know you don't know what what order it is so you've got to keep the order uh kind of uh in your mind the whole time in a play one thing leads to another to another to another so it all goes in a logical progression unless you're doing something like uh like a ans go or beckett you know then they then there's no no telling what you got to do. And nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, somebody asked uh, uh, Bert Lahr how he liked doing uh, Waiting for Godot. He said, I don't understand it. Somebody must. 
<laughs> yeah. And do you do you prefer one over one over the other? It was whether it be theater or film and TV, or is it just refreshing to kind of take a break from one and go your feet one and the well, other for a bit? Uh theater is, is more immediate. You know, you get an immediate feedback. And that uh, in TV and movies, uh, the the crews train not to laugh. They're not doing any reaction, verbal reaction. So you don't get any feedback unless you're doing one of these, uh, uh, like, uh, 30-minute uh, sitcoms, which is kind of like doing a one-act play. You know, they they do it, and they do the scene a couple of times, and then move on to the next one. So it, they, they do it pretty much in, in uh, sequence. But, yeah. uh, and then the audience, you've got the live audience there. But the the writers and the producers are laughing louder than the audience is. So you you know it's uh, you always got to take that into consideration too. They said, <laughs> "Oh, we're having the hot night." Oh no, that's producers and the writers. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if Jeff Weber, if you're ready, if you want to take it away for that last question. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, Jeff Weber here, producer of the filmmaker mixer and Barry. A very special guest for me, a friend of mine. And I have kind of a two-part question for you. But before, I'd like to just give a shout-out. My neighbor got so excited when he found out we were going to have you on the show that he jumped up and down and told me to tell you that he is fixing to binge-watch all the episodes of Northern Exposure, and he's a huge fan of yours, and he says hello. Well, he's got a job ahead of him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I will, his name's that's, Dave and I'll let him know you said that tell him, tell him that's like reading, reading all of the Iliad and the Odyssey <laughs> well I hope uh, I hope he's got a lot of popcorn uh, so my two part question to you uh, is if if your life story was ever told in an entertainment medium would do you envision it being a film or on stage? Oh, I would envision it a film because uh, I'd want to see all the all the background stuff going on. But I'm not too interested, but I've lived an interesting life. I'm pretty dull. <laughs> well, I think I think most of America would disagree with that, Barry. So the second part of that question is if it were a movie and your life story was in a what was made into a film uh who would be and play the main part of the role of Barry Corbin Hell, yeah, well, I would <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I wear jeans dirt up my collar and hang a cigarette out of my mouth and play myself as a teenager I That'd love be, it uh, That'd be a, a challenge. Th- uh, thanks again, Barry. I'm going to get back into the booth here. Thanks for answering my questions, and certainly. Okay, certainly, thank you. Thank you. You bet, and we'll see you soon. Okay, good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Barry, we really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us and chat about the industry. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we just enjoyed the conversation and and uh Look forward to all the new projects that are coming out and, and um, just want to thank you again for taking the time to visit with us. Yep, thanks, Well, Eric. thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. It's been fun. 
it's always fun to it's always fun to talk about yourself. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Jeff Weber. Our theme song was created by a man who loves the word kerfuffle, Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes.